the House of Box is back in business. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we drink from the warm cup, Juan Manuel Marquez style, with another golden dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in the big ginge for the most respectful show in boxing today. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. We will recap all the latest news in the sweet science, including what was nothing short of a statement performance from Wraith Bartholomew's favorite fighter, Isaac Dogbay. Oh, yeah, we will provide a state of the union at middleweight just days out from the aforementioned Triple G. Gennady Golovkin defending a pair of his middleweight titles against Venice Martirosin on Cinco de Mayweather. We will also be making sure, at the very least, that we touch a few M's, if you know what I mean, as we address the latest on Canelo. Joshua Wilder, my man Jamal Charlo, yeah, so much more. Well, you ain't even touching him yet. I'm touching M. Oh, yeah. Well, so are we. And speaking of touching things, why don't you break free from merely teasing the bag when it comes to this show and instead, yes, prepare for that mess by taking part in the audio consummation that is heading on over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. Hey, folks, look, it takes just 60 seconds of your time to pay it forward with that five-star rating. Hey, why don't you toss in a few words about why you love the show? Look, we all lead busy lives, but this helps us out more than you know. How busy would you like to be this year? Busy. Yeah, but with the business out of the way, it's time to bring in a man who is simply the best in the world today when it comes to combining hardcore boxing analysis with sophomoric humor. Yeah, you know I'm the best. Yeah, yeah. He's the heart and soul behind the weekly Respect Box newsletter and an internationally renowned author, editor, and respecter of all things cruiserweights. Heck, kids, you can just call him Uncle Big Red. <laughs> Yeah, Rafe Bartholomew, live from the West Coast. How is it, my man? Hoi, hoi! Shout out to the boys. Shout out to the ITC boys. Shout out to Alex Godinez, ADK boys, the Cobra boys. Bruno! <laughs> Rising. Take a punch in like Mike Tyson. Yeah, oh, well, so, so, such good stuff. Rafe, we've been off for a week, and I feel like so much is going on. I got so many topics I want to throw at you. I want to go deep. Deep Which is inside a shame because I'm only here to talk about Isaac the Royal Stone, Dog Bay. A great night for gunner boxing. A great night for people. Again, almost, <laughs> if you will, a uh, you know, kind of like a big gift for people, right? I mean, you know. Oh, love it, love it. Uh, yes. So, in the annals, in the annals, if you will, of Rafe Bartholomew fandom, we kind of jumped from Triple G to Usyk. Uh, we had a little little lost weekend with Inuit, Inuit, Jojo Dan ahead of the Kell Brook fight. But this is a new love affair for anyone reading the Respect Box newsletter. You were way ahead of the game on Ghana's Isaac Dogbay. Like, not just like a little bit ahead of the game. You were sending me emails like before two fights ago with like Ghanaian commentary. And I'm like, get this non-cruiserweight crap away. Like, I, like basically, I'd have no time for this. Like, if I could find the button in time. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. But this was like 
your guy, your boy becoming all grown up this weekend in like a prime ESPN showcase fight. He didn't just win your heart. I think he won everybody in boxing's heart. I, I had a feeling that this could happen. Obviously, he had to win this fight and he had to, you know, establish himself as somebody other than a guy who fights on YouTube in Ghana against, you know, Cesar Juarez and looks good. This was a real test. He got, you know, knocked down, hurt pretty bad in the beginning and just, you know, eventually, I mean, turned the tide and a, really a great performance. It was, it was, he has, and, and, you know, he combines a, sort of all these things that the boxing hardcores love. <laughs> One, he's tiny. So we know we're going to get the, we're, we know we're going to get the small weight guys on board. He's, him and his dad are so far pretty insane. They're doing like a, they're towing right up to the line of, and Angel Garcia in terms of inappropriate trash talk, uh, which I actually hope they, 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 they work around the margins a little bit, not to go overboard because they had, I, I really feel like at least among the, the, like the boxing Twitter, the boxing hipsters, the boxing nerds, people who really are, are, are about that life. Isaac Dogbe has a chance to really go up there, uh, and, and I want to see him, I want to see him do it. And plus, yo, that's a major win. Beating Jesse Magdaleno is, is well, let's, serious. Let's set the stage here. This was the main event of a, of what turned out to be a really strong regular ESPN. I say regular ESPN because it wasn't that pay for, pay per view light. Five ninety four ninety nine deal that we're all gonna have to jump into pretty soon. This was regular ESPN Isaac Dobe challenge Jesse Magdaleno for his WBO Junior Featherweight title. Magdaleno was still unbeaten. We all know he's a good looking southpaw, can do some things in the ring. And your guy Dog Bay, just twenty three from Ghana, which has that lineage right of of dirt tough fighters. I mean, we're talking from Zuma Nelson through uh, Claudi through your favorite. King Kong? King Kong, Egbeko. <laughs> we saw Freddie Lawson a couple years. I mean, they, there's been some some tough dudes that come through there. He, first of all, he single-handedly bringing back tube socks. What the heck was going on? That wasn't like Keith Van Horn, like retro, like wink of an eye type of like throwback. That was like a legit Michael Cooper 1986 pair of like tube socks pulled up over his knee. So that's fantastic. But the Southpaw who can punch, who is so aggressive in your face. You sent me this wrestling promo that he cut like two days before the fight. <laughs> guy brian is, is wwe starting to work on like a straw weight division because i would still going of, i would put a lot of stock in this guy we're in real time here he's still going <laughs> that was not a Ghanaian uh pornographic film that was isaac dog bay with ripped abs just screaming into a camera that was um so he's fired up okay and man did he show just like What's the best way to say this? Is is there a term foreign relentlessness? That's not that's not a uh that's not offensive, right? I mean, some of these foreign fighters are just wired differently than the American guys. We love these guys. These guys come in. I mean, that's that's the rise of Manny Pacquiao. To be really honest with you, not just the dynamic ability, but re- just relentlessness. You ca- I, 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 
Well, go ahead. What? Well, and a little bit, and and, I, and and a little bit sloppy, right? I mean, he's, you you look at him; he's unorthodox. He's not a perfect boxer. He he, you know, he and and if there was a danger or a guy who in that division who was particularly scary in terms of that, it might have been someone like Magdalena who has that who came in with that amateur pedigree. We'd seen him, you know, we've seen him with a lot of quickness. Really knows how to box. The kind of guy who, you know, could could. We thought might be able to make Dog Bay pay for some of that aggression, some of those mistakes, some of the way he just jumps in. Uh, and he, and Magdaleno did. He, you know, obviously hurt him early and, and fought pretty well at other points in the fight, landed some good punches, but it was just, like you said, there's something, I mean, there's, you know, so I don't know if we, we there's certain countries that that have it, or if it just you never know where you're gonna where it's gonna come. But these guys who just seem to be have an extra gear in the motor, cut from some different cloth, where they can just take more, dish out more, and and are strong as you know. I mean, teak tough. Well, that's the thing. Everybody's saying, oh, Magdaleno. You know, if you saw him against Donaire, he's so slick. He fought the wrong fight. Dog Bay made him fight the wrong fight. When Magdaleno scored that first round knockdown on Dog Bay, it was because he was completely backed up against the ropes and just basically bit down and fired back as hard as he could and dropped Dog Bay. The rest of the fight was Dog Bay like, like the great, uh, what's that actor's name? Jamie Foxx? Like he once said about Triple G, right? Well, after that, uh, Wow, this is great moments in podcasting. Trying to get in that A? Yeah, he was basically up in that A the whole damn fight. I wish I could have had that button ready. And there was no room for Magdalena to breathe. And then once those body shots started coming in, there was really no room for him to bleed, uh, breathe, let alone bleed from the inside. (laughs) Dropped him twice in the 11th, got the stoppage victory. And I don't know if we want to make that big leap because right now we're just having fun that your guy that you picked out of the scrap heap just had his moment. I don't know if we want to go Richie Swiss and go next level here. Let me say first something. Richard we have we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse. Like we don't want to do that. But at the same time, I caught a little of the Richie Swiss feels where I was like, this guy, like, I, I suddenly went right to, like, Dan Raphael's boxing rankings on ESPN and was like, who the heck else is in that 122 division right now? Like, I gotta find out if this guy could actually be a thing. Is he gonna be a thing, Rafe, or is he just gonna be a thing for the Great Respect Box newsletter? It's hard to say. Um, there, I mean, 122 is a, like, there's some strong fighters down there, but nobody that's gonna help him become a star. He's already, I mean, he, he was shorter than Jesse Magdaleno, who's not even that tall of a fighter. Uh, and, and you, it's hard to imagine Dogbe being able to pack more muscle onto that frame than is already oh, there. Right. I mean, he's one of these, like, you know, just human muscle, uh, you know, Kevin Willis old school guy. Yeah, his body uh, is a wonderland to quote the great Chris Eubanks Sr. I want to enjoy the magic of the instrument, which is my body. Risk. <laughs> uh, I mean, his body is a wonderland, Rafe. Uh, he'll use his hands. That guy's ripped to the gills at 122. He's short, like you said. I don't know if he can do that, but I mean, just looking at those names of 122, do you think he has a style that's going to give the likes of, I mean, Rigo's out of the picture for the most part, right? That's a dead division. Like, I'm looking at it. It's like Ray Vargas, Danny Roman, Moises Flores, Julio Ceja. Like, there's, you know, Diego De La Hoya on the way up. There's really not a lot of names there. This guy may be able to quickly do that. But what your point is, don't expect him to go to 26 and start taking the souls of, like, uh, Frampton and those guys, right? Well, I mean, I, 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 w- I could see it happening. I mean, because there's nowhere else to go. And, and, and then it just becomes a question of then is he then, – then that turns into, a, like, is he really going to be the next Manny Pacquiao? Um, you know, because then you're talking about a guy – 
moving up in weight and carrying that power and being able to fight that, you know, that style and improve as he gets bigger in weight and beat better, better guys at bigger names at, at higher weights, which is very rare. Um, but, but, you know, we've seen it happen. Maybe, I mean, he's young enough, uh, that, that, yeah, hey, it's exciting, man. Let's, let's see what happens with this guy. Well, here's what he said after the bout, uh, talking with Fight Hype at ringside about what he thinks he can become from this win. The aim is to become a global, you know, icon. To be the first pay-per-view superstar, mega superstar ever to come out of Africa. And already I believe that we are on that, we are on that road, you know. So right away you're like, oh, all right. You know, right away I'm like, cue up Joe Horn. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, it's yeah, good to dream. Yeah, good to, hey, hey, Isaac, it's good to dream, bro. But at the same time, when Pacquiao showed up randomly as a late replacement on HBO that time, right? I wasn't going to be like, this guy's going to be carrying pay-per-view, the division. And anytime Floyd stepped away, this guy's the pound-for-pound and pay-per-view king. Never would have guessed that. I'm not saying Dog Bay is that guy. I'm just saying I caught some of your feels. There was some it's some spillover spillage, you know. I got a little taste, kind of like kind of like what I see here. All right, kind of like. So it. hey, you know, it it was a very it was a great night for Ghana boxing, and I I look forward to more great nights for boxing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what the, what Dean Lonegren, Joe Horn's trainer, or I'm sorry, pr- promoter, the ex rugby star once said, that's just the difference between the Americans and the foreign fighters. Right. These Yanks are nowhere near as tough as they make themselves out to be. And I can't wait for our Australian boy to go up and kick his ass. They're, they're, they're just not, they're just not wired this way. So Rafe, good fight there on ESPN. I mentioned it was a good card. Just quickly, let's just run through quickly. Jesse Hart in that co-main, super middleweight, seventh round TKO over Don Nicholson. That was a wacky finish. Your thoughts? I mean, it was the, the the weirdest count I've seen in a long time. Just stop at eight, talk to the guy for a couple minutes, make him get up, and then wave it off. Um, I, he, he, you know, I, I think Nicholson wanted out of that fight for one reason or another. It wasn't didn't look like he was doing that bad. Um, but he, he, I guess he, you know, he seemed he clearly was at the point where he did not want to participate in that event anymore. Um, so whatever, you know, move on. But, you know, Hart is, uh, we know his only defeat did come against, uh, Zerto the Turto and he called him out afterwards. Hart's a player at 68. Like that's not really a division loaded with giant names. He's old school. He's going to end up getting knocked out by the elite, but he's that old school Philly tough. And he was fighting in Philly and there was this, you know, Mark Kriegel did another father son story there on, on, on Eugene Cycle and Hart there. By the way, I wish I picked up sound. Did you catch Papa Hart in I, that interview with I Osuna? did. I did see the interview. There's, I thought Bernardo did about as well as he could under the circumstances and didn't, you know, didn't string it out too long. Yeah. There's um, times when you're going to interview a shot man that you should not interview a shot man. And, right? and the other thing that the, uh, you know, th- at least they moved on right away to Hart's daughter who was just absolutely adorable and was like, I love my daddy. He, he, te- he teaches me everything. And yeah, it was yeah, like the that perfect was, ending. That was a nice counter to that. But I, all I'm saying is I think that Hart's going to keep making fun fights. He wants Zerto again. He'll probably end up getting knocked out, but it'll be fun to watch because I think this guy's old school. He's going to put it out there and make you stop him. Now, we also saw a Philly-on-Philly Philly crime heavyweight fight. This wasn't like a washed-on-wash thing, but it had that type of feel. Bryant Jennings taking a close, yet the scorecards were wider than I thought, 10-round decision over Joey DeVaco, formerly Do- Joey DeWaco, formerly, if you like ring theory, Do- Joey DeWedgeco. <laughs> Look, this turned out to be kind of a fun fight. And, like, they're not at the slop point of their career where we have to, like, be like, you know, you know, you like them extra sloppy. I mean, I know Joey DeWaco looks like a young Tank Abbott there, but uh you think Brian Jennings from this victory can actually do anything more than be somebody's B-side two or three more times? 
Well, I think that I no, not really. I think that's the plan for him that top rank is working on here, that they're basically going to just keep him warm against guys he can beat until something shakes loose at the top of the heavyweight division and he can challenge for one of these titles. His name is still good. He's only got the one loss to Ortiz, right? You're talking about Brian Jennings. He lost. Oh no, he lost Vlad. to Klitschko too. But he looked good in that Vlad fight. He didn't look bad. He he made Vlad kind of kind of get all turtley and just hide. You so know? so yeah, he still has the, the Jennings still has the name. He still has you know a good enough resume, good enough ability that he would be a respectable opponent for for somebody if Joseph Parker gets his hands on one of those other belts sometime or uh, any of these. If a money fight comes up, that's what they're they're saving him for. Yeah, and uh, by the way, eventually Devaco will be a really good sloppy TV fighter. He's close to getting to there, but like that's that's a guy like in the old school Friday night fights. I want to see every Friday night against somebody, right? right? Cue up, cue up, Mike Malo and yes. uh, and Arthur Spilka. And he's got some slick. He's like a white James Tony, like they said on the broadcast. He's fun to watch, but you know we know you like him extra sloppy. He's going to get there. All right, Rafe, we got so much to get to, whether it be furthering the weekend recap, hitting the news that was. I don't assume you watched what I thought was the combat sports highlight of the weekend when uh fedor and frank mir got into that bellator hashtag old guy fight hashtag slop fest for that in that tournament you don't watch that stuff right i i sometimes do but i did not see this one all right that was a 48 second knockout for fedor and he's so he's hella washed but he he he's back he's gonna fight chael sunday talk about sloppy matchmaking this is gonna be great all right all right well that's enough ufc are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching People in the ring who are also look like skinhead white. All right, Bob. All right, all right. Back to the box. Sayo Rafe. I'm going to get into more on this weekend's action, including Danny Jacobs. But the biggest story of the past week was really the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder public negotiations going next level, and that really started when Deontay Wilder put out another video on social media, offering, saying, "Slide in them DMs, Anthony Josh. Check your check your email. Something's coming for you." And then you heard his co-manager Shelly Finkel and his promoter Lou DiBella publicly confirmed that they had sent an offer of fifty million dollars. Now the terms were that Wilder's team would pick the site, would you know essentially handle the promotion. There'd be no rematch clause, but not but Joshua's team would get a flat fifty mil and anything above one hundred million in revenue, they would get fifty percent. So right away, that tells everybody they're serious. And if Eddie Hearn doesn't cash this in right now, they're not serious. But Eddie Hearn didn't respect their two-day uh, deadline that they gave him. And now it seems like we're back where we started, Rafe. And if you really look at that offer, it was a response to a video Anthony Joshua had said earlier this year where he's like, you know, you want to fight me? Give me $50 million. I'll fight you, guaranteed. So he they put their money where their mouth is. You got to give them respect for that. There was, there's some financial risk in saying we will pay you 50 million. I felt like that was a pretty strong offer from Finkel and PBC. Yes. To me, I'm of the mindset that all of these public negotiations are fake. They're, they are marketing for the fight, not bad marketing for the fight. And at least it holds the promoters and fighters sort of accountable to some version of the truth, even though it's not probably what they're actually talking about behind closed doors so it it keeps the fight in the news it keeps them going back and forth it keeps the it keeps the whole whole hype train going but i don't really believe any of these offers that they're saying out in the media that they're they're telling people that they're giving to each other i don't really know how much to put how much stock to put in that you You don't think they're touching 50 m's there you don't think that Maybe they are, but if they are, I, 
I, I think that however they're doing it, the details are going to be hammered out behind closed doors, not with uh, just a, oh yeah, we'll, we'll give you 50 million. Well, how the heck do I know if that's true? How does any, you know, it's, and, and the same thing for Hearn's 12.5 offer or whatever, 12, the, the, the initial offer from, from Matchroom to Wilder and them, uh, you know who knows what the, what they're actually going for when they when they set these public numbers. All right, so that's, I, that's what we do know. We just mentioned Hearn and them. What was it like last month? Offered twelve and a half million as your flat rate, and said he views the fight as a whole to be worth forty million after expenses. And that's sort of undershooting it, if you ask me. But that's a smart a side promoter trying to downplay the long-term financial potential of this fight and then, by the way, promote and sell the crap out of it and keep all the extra dollars. And I think that's the reason why Eddie didn't just jump and say yes to the deal because, one, he's not going to be bullied. bullied. He has the A-side fighter in this equation. Why is he going to give up control of the promotion? Anyone that's going, well, Eddie Hearn's not serious now because he didn't accept that offer because they, you know, they look, the, the offer was a great PR move. It was a great chess move. But if you're Eddie, hell no, are you going to give up control of the promotion? You have the A-side. You have the guy filling 90,000 you know, stadiums in, in Europe. Like, So you're going to give it to Wilder's team so they can put it at MSG or, or Vegas or whatever, and you're just going to take it? No, that's not how it's going to work. They want to blow this thing out. Eddie's not going to be bullied, and I don't think Eddie wants uh, – Anything to do with anywhere close on the, on the 60-40 split idea, right? I mean, like, Eddie, Eddie wants it all. So Eddie's gonna, gonna try to squeeze them and check their desperation, essentially. That makes sense. Uh, I, I think it's also important. It seems like it is genuinely important to Anthony Joshua to, to have the first fight in the UK. Um, and some, maybe, you know, you could, you could say, well, that's because he wants the edge on the scorecards. He wants the whatever advantage. All, I mean, all things that as the A side fighter, you typically try and put in your favor anyway. Uh, it also seems like a little bit of a thing where he, he wants, he, he's feeling that the UK has this great boxing culture right now. They're filling up, you know, Wembley and, and these stadiums in Cardiff with 90, 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 fans, uh, and making great money out there. And, even though there probably is more money in the United States in the big fight in Las Vegas, if they decide to do that, it's, it almost seems like a point of pride that like I'm bringing this home to the, for, for his people for the UK. And look, that does that do anything for me as a, as a New Yorker who has never been to London or anywhere in, in, in that part of Europe? No, I don't care, but I kind of respect that he's like, nah, this is, this, I, we built this and, yeah. and then they're going to fight us here. We built this city uh, out of rock it, and roll. Yeah. That's what he's saying. He said that after his last fight, Anthony Joshua did. He said, you know, why, why are we going to go anywhere? He goes, look at what happened for Hatton and all those guys. They got big enough. They went over there. They lost. Like, let's keep the business here. I, I don't, I don't have anything against that. I really don't have any problem with the way this is handled. Would I want Eddie Hearn to do what he has to do to make the fight now because it's good for boxing? Of course, but I understand the financial situation. They can make, a lot of money against anyone. They know that. So why not bring him to America first? I don't want him to fight Big Baby Miller in August at the Barclays, but I feel like that's a better spot for them to get it. It's a better spot, by the way, for them to chase Fury, who's not as dangerous as, as Wilder and is a more of a question mark and is fat, than to go right into a Wilder fight and potentially lose it all. I don't want boxing to be like this, but this is boxing. Eddie Hearn said it himself. These two things don't mix. Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. But no, they don't, you know? So that's that's the bottom line. Money does. And by you sent me some fantastic audio because after this offer was sent, Lou DeBella jumped out there with comments, right? Criticizing Eddie, saying he better take the offer. 
Then Eddie was basically like this about Lube. I don't know what Ludabella has got to do with Deontay Wilder discussions. Ludabella is an events coordinator for our hang, basically. He's not Deontay Wilder's promoter. Is he involved in the negotiations? Absolutely not. And if he continues to wear that hat and that silly earring at his age, I'll banish him from the sport of boxing. Oh, those are fighting words right there. We gotta call Lou line one right now and get a response. Like that's, that's legit right there. Ah, uh, yeah. I think if, if this were, you know, if this were a hip hop beef, uh, if this, if they were battling, that would be pretty much the end between the events coordinator line, which just reduces Lou's role in, in the, in the boxing business to rubble. Uh, and then, and then going after his, his fashion sense. Uh, it's, it's rough. Uh, but, that's you know that's one of the things I think that and the Wilder camp is doing well publicly because Deontay Wilder is such a charismatic salesman for this he's kind of carrying this load himself load uh, watch hashtag load, load watch. watch yeah watch out he's not he's not he's not going to shoot it but he's just carrying it oh uh, that's by the way that's so that's <laughs> so disgusting I, I mean come on you know so he shot his load and now he's getting humbled. Let him shoot his low. All right, all right, enough of that. Enough. Of that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, uh, but but on the matchroom side, Eddie Hearn. I think it helps that Eddie Hearn is the person does who does the talking for for Joshua's camp. Ra- the, the the one thing you never hear from the person who's actually in power in terms of the Wilder camp, who is Al Heyman, who's really going to sign. I mean, it's, it's well, Shelly Finkel's got got a good amount of power though. He's co-managing. He, he does, but it just, you don't, you, you know, it isn't gonna, the, the, the final word is always gonna be Heyman, isn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. It seems like that's, that's where the buck stops on that end. And because Al Heyman doesn't speak publicly or you know, it, at all, we don't hear from that. And it's easier, so, so it's easier to reduce what, when, when Ludabella is out there sort of beating the drum for a while, they're like, well, this guy doesn't really control it anyway. He's just, he's just a mouthpiece. And that's a tough uh, spot for Lou because Hearn did expose some truths in there. You know, like Lou is not the direct promoter of some of these guys in the same way that he's the direct promoter of Derevchenko was for Sergio Martinez, you know, on and on. It, he, these are sort of like deals where he promotes some of their fights. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. Yes, yeah. By the no, way, PBC should have made Lou DeBella their Dana White from day one. I still say that yeah. was a, that was a fail. But you mentioned Joshua not speaking a lot. He did on Instagram though, right after Wilder sent that video, respond and say basically let's do it with a fire emoji. So that either was an ill-timed comment or like you said, that's showing you that the fighter wants it. So let's put all the hate on Eddie. And Eddie's willing to take that role. He's like, yeah, put the hate on me. You know what I mean? And it's, and we don't really know AJ's true heart. In a spot, I think his true heart is he wants to fight. Like I, I don't think I don't I don't I don't really doubt either of these guys want to fight. I don't I also don't think that that means they have to fight immediately. Especially I mean with un, you know it's unfortunate for this Wilder Joshua fight, but Joshua there's so much there's if you're just looking at pure maximizing that man's income, the best way to get his career earnings as high as possible. This fight ain't happening this year. It it may be two or three fights away, especially if guys with the, some of the domestic opportunities with this. If David Hay beats Tony Bellew this week and all of a sudden looks like a name someone can pick off at heavyweight in the UK again, Tyson Fury. There are all these things domestically that could pop up and make and and divert the fight even longer. Um, which 
is not great. I don't really want to see that happening, but I can see that happening. Yes. And it's hard to blame them for making it. Those are all huge fights on, like, they make tons of money yeah, on. Yeah, they might, they, like, this is the hard truth. They might make more money, Rafe. Seriously. Joshua against Fury is probably going to make more money than Joshua against Wilder. It's just the, the way of the economics. It does seem that way, yeah. Yeah, so, baby, I just don't get it. Baby, I just don't get it. Do you enjoy being heard? I know you smell the perfume, the makeup on Hey, I can't let this go any further without making one statement. I play a lot of Tyson Fury song on this show. The guy's an absolute dirtbag. Anybody that saw that interview we did with Michelle Joy Phelps where he sort of playfully joked about, like, like gang rape and, 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 it was bad. All right. So the guy makes me laugh. I can play karaoke with him on the show, but I don't, you don't want to bring Tyson Fury home at this point. I, I, he's probably not the kind of man you want to bring home to mama. Um, but you never know. He's, I, the jawbone's slick though. The jawbone's looking thin right now, Rafe. He's a couple stone down right now. He's getting there. He's getting, he said he's lost almost a hundred pounds, which looks about right to the, to the, to the naked eye. Um, you know what you're getting out of Tyson Fury. He, he, these, these traveler guys, they talk like that. They're not, they're not woke in the least and they don't care. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter to them where they're from. I guess it, it has hurt Tyson, Tyson Fury's career and like, cause some of the stuff he said over the years has gotten him suspended. Um, but, it's just, you know, you're going to get some really ugly things coming out of that guy's mouth, along with all of the good trash talk, the yes. good singing, the all of the other weird stuff he does. It's part of the package. Speaking of somebody you would want to bring home. Just tell your parents, just hi. Yeah, just hi, because he's, he's a good guy. All right, speaking of uh, Gennady Golovkin's ex-opponent, Canelo Alvarez, big news, Ray, from the past week. Nevada ordered a hair follicle test for the first time in NAC or NSAC, whatever you want to call them, history. Bob Bennett ordering the hair follicle test and Canelo pass. No trace of clenbuterol in his hair. Now, some people have, got, have basically become like Google doctors or become like Google supplement managers and went and typed into their Google search engine and suddenly can tell you, well, you know, uh, Clenbuterol will be in your urine for a week, but it'll only, but it will be in your hair for as long as six months. We have no idea. We have no, let's be honest, Rafe, we have no idea. But this does at the very least from a PR standpoint support the idea that maybe, just maybe, Canelo just ate a bad piece of meat and this was all a big misunderstanding. It wouldn't have changed the fight because Nevada now has stringent rules where dirty or not, intentional or not, if you're dirty, you're out of the fight. That's their new rule. So it wouldn't have changed anything. But does it change the way we should think and talk about Big Red moving forward? I got to go to a ginger on ginger right here. What do you got? Well, I will say that um, I uh, I noticed a small patch of my red beard missing uh, earlier la- early last week, and I wonder I wonder if Team Canelo, you know, snuck into my house, you know, slipped me a Mickey and took a little of this <laughs> to send in as uh, as the Canelo sample. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but. Look, I think it's good. I think any, it doesn't, is it definitive by in any way? No. And there's, and nothing on either side will ever be definitive about this, which is why the standard that Nevada has that if you come up dirty in any way, you just have to take the, take the hit, uh, which is not, it's gonna, it's going to be unfair in some cases, but since you can't tell which cases it will be unfair and you kind of just have to live with it. Uh, and that's, uh, but it's good that, that at least it, this test, supports the 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 possibility the 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 theory that he didn't intentionally abuse clenbuterol to to train uh it's that's a good thing oh however 
the problem is he last as of last week, Canelo still wasn't enrolled in Vada in Vada testing for the WBC's clean boxing program. But did you see is, Oscar at the airport talking to TMZ said he'll, every he'll take day, a test starting every day. now? Yeah, why why wasn't he testing the last uh, couple months? Yeah, I don't right. Know. Not just that, and and the WBC is uh, Mauricio Suleiman, the the chairman, or the way is behaving so strangely with Canelo because the WBC on one hand last week uh, uh, released this giant list of of fighters who have been off and on their clean boxing Vada protocols, and then didn't really was I don't even think Canelo was included on that list, uh, and and then we learned that. Canelo has been on and on, in and sort of would have been on that list if if they were decided to count him. And Suleiman has been out there saying he's never tested positive, never tested positive. Then we re- then we learned that Canelo has never been tested outside of the two month window before a fight, which is probably when a lot of fighters would would be doing that sort of stuff to to uh, to cycle on and off PEDs if they wanted to use them. It's all you never know. It doesn't make any there's no answer to any of this, but I still think it's good that at least the the hair test at least supports it. It makes it easier to believe that he it could have been all a mistake. All right. Do you think the drapes match the carpet? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I will. I, this is getting a little personal on everyone here, and who blame Brian Campbell for the for bringing this up? Not me. But I will say that you know, you know, as someone with very confusing body hair, I mean, I have like clear blonde hair on my forearms, kind of a dark blonde hair on my head. My beard is red, and the body hair is even darker. If you really want to get into it, mm. uh, so well, it could be anything down there. My point of asking that is, shouldn't we done a, a pubic? Also, hair? let's be real. Canelo is definitely like a full on waxer. Like he's too vain. <laughs> He, if, if Canelo has any body hair, he is waxing that that stuff every other day. Um, he wants he wants that that whatever that toned uh, you know oily smooth look. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Well, now that we're completely off the rails, uh, I will say <laughs> that I you know they should have maybe done a hair test down south of the border on Canelo after that Archie Solis incident to see if he really did sleep with Archie's girlfriend and then and then knock out the uh, the flyweight on the street corner. Maybe maybe this will clear Canelo's name in every category. But here's the thing. What we learned from this episode is this. Canelo does not have Floyd's pull in Vegas. Canelo is the number one financial star right now for Vegas boxing, but he's not Floyd. I think Floyd would have been fighting on May 5th this, in this situation. We probably never would have heard about it. That's, that's just the, the honest truth. So Canelo doesn't have that pull, but for Bob Bennett to go the lengths of doing a test like this for the first time at least shows that they're trying to protect the PR to make sure that we see a fight in September. Because – yeah. I mean, if this if this test came up positive, would we have known about it? It's a worthy question to ask. It really is. You know, did they just rogue do this test on their own to use as public sort of stance to say, hey, guys, we don't know for sure, but this hair test kind of supports Canelo's still the good guy. So send in your money in September when he fights Triple G a second time. Oloki, you are next, my friend. What are your thoughts there? Oh, I don't really think that the fight in September is in any great not, danger. But they with or to... without, like, as long as he doesn't, as long as neither I test dirty leading up to that, as long as they don't have some big red flag preventing them from from making that fight, people are still going to watch it. I don't think there are going to be many like conscientious ob- objectors who are like, I will not watch this. This this man, he may have been dirty. Oh no, no, no. You know, unless I mean, uh, besides Jim Gray, but this won't be a Showtime fight. No, 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 no. This is Danny's night. Let me ask you about the seventh round before we look at the end of the fight. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, great points, but I think, well, I guess my, my question is on intention. Why did Bob Bennett 
issue this test, which was the first time they've ever done this. I think it was to attempt to help Canelo, their current golden child. Obviously, he doesn't have Floyd power because he got pulled from the fight, but attempt to soothe it and just say, everybody, look, not much to see here anymore. We may have just proved he's fine. Whatever. You could take, you well, could think, build your I own think conspiracy the, the theory. The hair test is something that would have corroborated one or the other side however it came out that that's why you would order it because when canelo comes into the hearing and says i want well he didn't come he called in uh but when <laughs> when they say we want to prove our innocence they're usually they want to give as much evidence as they can and who and, they, and if they weren't taking pictures and with timestamps of of every meal that canelo ate uh in the in february and they don't have receipts for the beef uh then then maybe something like taking the hair test which gives you some idea of what may or may not have been in his system over the last six months uh is it would would help um so so that's i think is the the justification but yeah it does serve a pr purpose and it does make the fight look better all right hey i want to see the fight like anybody else so you know he he may have just paid his penalty he had he had to sit out and now we'll see it again as long as Triple G handles his business, we'll get to that. But this past weekend, Rafe, middleweight, speaking of this middleweight division, it's pretty damn loaded at the sec, at this second. And Danny Jacobs won a 12 round unanimous and exciting decision over, uh, can I try this again? Machie Sulinski. That sounds close enough. Machie I mean, Sulinski yeah. to become the WBA's number one contender to Triple G's belt and really a fight that had no build. Because nobody heard of this guy outside of sending Centeno to hell that time. And nobody really wanted this fight. I mean, the, the lights were pretty dim inside of Barclays to make sure you didn't realize that nobody was there. And then this fight lived, when, uh, you know, went above and beyond to the point where I got to play the Eddie Hearn button here. Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. Like, you put it on him. Yeah, it, but you had to put it on him because Sulinski was in your kitchen. Rafe, turn out to be a fun fight. Yeah, really fun. I mean, Sulitsky, Sulinski, whatever we're calling him, he looked good. He looked, he, he didn't seem to have any power, uh, but fought really well, was beating Danny to the punch for a lot of the night, you know, is working the jab and, and kind of hurt Danny's stock a little bit, I think, even in the win. Well, that was my follow-up question to you of whether you thought he looked, you know, better than normal, whether you thought it was a move the chains middle. I thought it was more in the middle, but I could see where you could look at that fight against a determined guy who had more slick than we thought he would, who really forced Danny to stand on that back foot and fight. I mean, he got Danny got rocked with that short right hand in the first round. Yeah. Now, rocked might not, might be the wrong word. Uh, he he didn't, didn't really look shook it, it, changed, it, it was It made his change his approach a little bit. It did. It woke him up there. And look, Danny, here's the thing in the end. Jacobs was bigger, faster, stronger, and more slick in the end. And that's why he won the fight. But I think at the very least to support your side of saying maybe it was a step back performance, if Sulinski had any form of elite power, this was going to be a bad night for Danny Jacobs. You had that feeling. Yeah, I don't think I've seen many fighters have such an easy time landing shots on Danny Jacobs. I mean, Triple G was was chasing him around for most of their fight and, and looked, you know, looked bad for a lot of it because Danny kept making him miss. Now, Danny did move a lot more. I mean, he, he fought a much more defensive style against Triple G. Uh, and maybe, maybe just even though he felt some of Sulinski's power in the first round, maybe he also realized, okay, it's there, but uh, I can probably weather this and, and, and stand toe to toe with this guy. And he was right. Uh, and what a beautiful knockdown in the 12th round that uh, sealed that fight for Danny. I mean, that, that if you, for, for all the way, if you want to talk about Danny losing stock, blah, 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 blah. You also want to mention 
that 12th round and just stepping up and in a close fight, getting what he needed to, in case, in case there were any close scorecards, whatever, putting that exclamation point on at the end and being like, no, 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 I am, I won this. And it turns out he needed that on one of the three cards. Yeah. It would have been a Sulinski victory. It would have been a split decision if he did not get that knockdown. He closed strong that 12th round. Anybody that didn't watch this fight, go back at the very least and watch that 12th round. So that knockdown you talk about was beautiful. He folded Sulinski up into a suitcase. It was like the perfect yeah. right hand over the top. But the rest of that round, they brawled. And it was almost a little bit of uneasiness, like an uneasy victory from Jacobs. Look, in the end, he did what he had to do. He was the better fighter. He looked pretty good in doing it. But to your initial point... You wonder if maybe at the very least he just wasn't up to the level that he needed to be against this type of pressure because he wasn't prepared. He, in his mind, he's not fighting Triple G. He's not fighting Charlie. He's not fighting those guys. He's fighting a guy, which really, you got to ask yourself in the beginning, why did they do two get well fights in a row? What would be the point? Outside of Canelo and Triple G being busy, what was the point of a, of a second straight get well fight? I never understood. Well, who who else was he supposed to fight? I guess if there who who else was available? Who I guess he wants. You know he like I'm glad that Danny Jacobs wants to fight. And you know what? This was a good fight. I'm not going to complain about this. If and 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 if somebody like Sulensky or Sulitsky or another another smaller name ends up beating him. Good for that guy, you know. Then Danny probably didn't belong, you know, didn't didn't deserve another wow. shot at those guys anyway. Wow. If he loses one of these, wow. I don't care. Fight, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad that Danny's fighting. I'm glad that he's winning, and and I'm glad that this turned out to be a, a an exciting fight. And and it's probably I don't. It's one that's it's always tough in boxing to say. Is it better to be in like a total wipeout where you just where it's just a showcase, or is it better to have a tough fight? The tough fight can take a little bit out of him going forward. Um, but it's 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 real competition. That's that's what it's about. All right, so you don't think anybody slipped him a Jimmy beforehand? Somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy. Somebody, uh, somebody uh, was the meat of Mexico. No one owns it. Can hear Jimmy. Okay, okay, enough of that. Nonsense. I got black pilled. It might be a, might have, might be a black pill on that one. All right, so the good news for the Jacobs moving forward is look, he's not going to get Canelo or Triple G anytime soon. He's probably not going to get Billy Snell at Joe Saunders anytime soon, who has a fight with Martin Murray in June and is tough to negotiate with. So to his credit, here was his quote afterwards. If Brooklyn wants Charlo, meaning Jamal, Charlo, where are you at, boy? Come see me. I'm the king of Brooklyn. You know what it is. End quote. In further backstage interviews, Jacobs said, yes, I want Charlo next. That's the name I want next. In fact, he had an evil, sinister laugh. Look, Rafe, I want to touch some M's. This is getting me fired up. We're going to find clarity in this division. If Jacobs is going next into Charlo, then two get well fights was worth it. Right. And good for Jacobs for wanting that. Good, good for him not saying, Oh no, I'm going to like basically Amir conning this and, and, and trying to sit out until something clears up with either Triple G or Canelo. Go ahead. Fight. Jacobs and Charlo is a great fight and one where I think after these two performances, Jacobs will come in at that, at the level he needs to be and, and maybe come in being a little underrated because he had, you know, sort of the, the uninspiring win against a defensive, not really, you know, looking to, to, to fighting to win Luis Arias. And then this fight against Solitsky, which was a really tough, you know, back and forth fight and he, and he got hit a bit. Um, People are going to underestimate him a little bit. He's going to be back in that, uh, you know, Danny may may not be as elite as these other elite middleweights part part of the conversation, and that that clearly uh, worked to his advantage in the Triple G fight and just the way he he came in and approached and fought the fight of his life. And that's I think that I think it 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 points to the a fight between Jacobs and Charlo if it happens being great, great, great. 
Wow, wow. I'm fired up. I want to skip ahead here uh, and go right into recapping Jamal Charlo's victory now from two weeks ago. I was at the Barclays Center for that Broner card. Charlo looked hella impressive in knocking out Hugo Centeno Jr. with a four-punch combination to win the interim WBC middleweight title, whatever that means. It basically means he's on Triple G's radar now. So he called out Triple G afterwards. Triple G was interviewed the other day and said, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm not thinking about him yet, but after this fight against Vanas, I'll fight him. So I, you got to love Triple G being like, yeah, I'll fight him. You got to love Jamal Charlo calling him out. I mean, Jamal's been calling him out forever. And a lot of us have been saying we don't think those guys want it from the Charlos either. From what you saw against Centeno, how are you feeling about Charlo Jacobs? Because uh, I'm fired up. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm fired up that Jamal Charlo might not just be trouble for Jacobs. He really might be trouble for the whole division, Rafe. I'm ready to do that Richie Swiss type leap and say, watch out, everybody. Triple G, you don't necessarily want some of this. This ain't Dominic Wade, bro. This ain't Polis Proxa. This is no, like, this is not something to mess with. But where are you at in this? I, I knew, I, used, I saw this coming as soon as I saw in your podcast rundown that this was really just going to be a, a, a coming out party for the Brian Campbell Charlo Love Fest where he's going to say, oh yeah, I think Charlo, he's the guy in this division. He's the guy. He's going to beat all of them is what I, I know you don't want to go out there and actually say that and be called out by, by all the, the sticklers and the, it's very McCarson of me. Very, very yeah. McCarson of me. <laughs> well, you know, he's got a personal relationship with him out there. Um, but no, no, no I, I actually don't think it's crazy to, to start inching out onto that limb. Charlo lo- has looked great in recent years and, and no, he hasn't really had to fight Anybody who sets the world on fire, even though the wins against, I would say, I would say his wins against Austin Trout and, and, and J Rock, uh, you know, a year, a year and a half ago were both impressive. Um, but he just has that look, man. And, and, and the Centeno fight, it's, he barely had to do anything to, of course, it was a beautiful combination, but, but it was over in a blink of an eye, really. You know, the, the first round, they felt each other out. And then in the second, bang, Centeno's done. Uh, and, and that's the debate, by the way, that both Charlos are doing it against this Charles Hatley, Hugo Centeno level of competition. But what happens when you get to that elite level? I mean, that's what we want to find out. Ultimately, we don't really know their chins, their backbones. Speaking of the Charlos, we only know that they're hella quick and they bring the thunder. But it really just like when Triple G came on the scene and our eye test was saying, I'm sorry. I got to put him in the top 10 pound for pound, even though he's only beaten Matthew Macken with a body shot. My eyes are telling me that. My eyes are starting to tell me things about the Charles that I can't stop from seeing. Like, I, I, I'm fi- like, uh, these, I want these, they're, they're, they're top 10 pound for pound right now in my eyes. I my really mind's feel. telling me no. Yeah, exactly. You know, by the way, did you, body. did you hear what Billy Joe Saunders said about Jamal by any chance? No, I didn't. 100%. I mean, look, I'm a world champion. If he wants to come over and it's, you know, it makes good for business. Bring him over and I'll uh, I'll give him a paste in like that woman did in a nightclub and robbed all his stuff. Hey, a little, little, little shot right there. But, hey, let's fast forward to a game I like to do on this podcast a lot, the, the whole State of the Union thing. Let's take a snapshot of heading into this Triple G fight, a State of the Middleweight division. What I want to create here, Rafe, is a top five pound for pound essentially built upon the idea of what we know now, what we feel right now, what our feel spots, what the invasion of our feel houses, James Foley, are telling us, who's our top five pound for pound on the idea of who beats who? And here are our seven contenders for this conversation. It's Triple G, Jamal Charlo, Canelo, Danny Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, Sergey Derevchenko. 
and the wild card, really, of this division until we find out more, Demetrius Andrade. How do we start to break this down? I'm going to give you my first one. I think Triple G is still deserving of that number one spot until we see something differently. No, of course. Yes. Even though he hasn't either, even though he's had tough fights in his last two outings, uh, he's, he, he won both those fights, even though he got the draw against Canelo and he, he, there's no, you can't drop him yet. So if he's number one, the tough part is number two. Cause you, you, the, the fallback might be, well, you know, Canelo fought him to a close fight. That's number two. No, Canelo's not number two. Cause right now, if Danny Jacobs and Canelo go against each other, I'm picking Danny Jacobs. If right now Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders went against each other, with, let's say, neutral judges, you know, not Texas, not, you know, not Lawrence Cole, not Gail Van Hoy, like, you know, not not anything about that. Texas forever. Then I'm picking Billy Joe Saunders. And right now, I'm doing the same for Jamal Charlo. So the number two spot, Rafe, is the toughest one to figure out. Number two, pound for pound at middleweight under a who beats who type of thing. Where are you going? So... I think you're, I think you're not giving Canelo quite enough credit. Uh, I wow, think he, wow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously a lifelong Canelo hater, but I'm just, I have to, I kind of have to admit what I've seen in the ring from that guy is he's, he's actually a very good boxer. Um, and somebody like Jacobs, if they fought, I don't, even if Jacobs does enough to win that fight, he's only going to do enough to edge it and then he's going to lose it. Um, so I'm, I'm talking about a, a neutral world. You know, in like, a neutral world, I, I, yeah, but, but I don't, I just don't think that guys like so, Billy Joe Saunders, Danny Jacobs are, are going to separate themselves that much from Canelo and, and he can, he can do some, he's not, he's no slouch. He'll do, he'll, he'll get to them as well. Even though Canelo's um, only taught, fought two real middleweights in his life. All right. What he fought, he fought at Chavez weight. You know, he's been fighting. He's been draining down right. to 154 as a. I think if he stood, if he took those shots from that and that physical pressure from from Triple G for 12 rounds and fought as closely as he did, uh, then then I don't have a whole lot of concern about how he'd fare against other middleweights. Even though, of course, Danny Jacobs is a very very big middleweight. Blah blah blah. All that. I'm okay with Canelo, but but. I am, I'm not, I, I am an eye test guy and Charlo has looked so explosive, so special right now that I would, if you ask me, and this is probably the most reckless number two choice, I would just throw Charlo in at number two. He's my wow. second favorite guy in that division. Oh yeah, right there. So I didn't, I did not see that coming. That's right now on my paper, right now, Jamal number two, and I thought I was going to have to fight you off. In fact, I already started retyping going, you know, Rafe's probably right. I'm underscoring Canelo, which means I might have to slide Jacobs in there at number two because we've seen a little bit more. No, you're saying no. Ride the train with me. Charlo number two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I get the, I get the feels from him. He's in the, he's in the feel spot. He's in my feel house right now going at it. All right. So then number three, I'm going, I'm going Danny Jacobs because look, he's, He's the he's a worse blueprint, I think, for Canelo than he was for Triple G. I think he's a problem for Canelo. Depends how he fights. Depends. I mean, Danny Jacobs, outside of that Triple G fight, and this is the thing I like that Maciej Sulensky said before the, the Jacobs fight. He said, I don't know if if Jacobs is really that guy we all saw against Triple G or if he's that guy we see against everyone else. And when he fought so Mache on Saturday night, he was that guy we saw against everyone else. Uh, that guy with that Danny Jacobs we see against everyone against Triple G. I think Canelo does enough to to beat him. All right, we, so you're gonna go Canelo three. Uh, yes, I'll do Canelo three. You know, out of respect, I may. No, no, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna go Jacobs three. 
But I don't even know if I want to put Canelo four because the Billy Joe Saunders off of that Lemieux performance is a wild card. Look, it wasn't the same guy versus Andy Lee. I get it. And Lemieux is a one track mind. I get it. I'm just saying I saw a maturation, a, a different attitude in Saunders than I hadn't seen before. Well, I guess I, so here's the question uh, with Saunders and in general, are we talking about at their very best, you know, on their best night? Are we ranking these guys or on their track record of coming yeah. in and fighting well? Because Saunders comes in and looks like dog poop quite often uh, and just ekes out fights. Uh, All right, then let's go Canelo at four. Then are you going to put Billy Joe? No, I'm Canelo three. All right, what do we do with Demetrius Andre then? Is he right there at the end of that top five? Or like, do we just not know because he's been so inactive? I like him, but he hasn't – with only the one fight at middleweight and he's been so inactive – I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in the top five. I think he has that talent. If it were just a eye test, I might favor him against some of these other guys. Uh, but uh, when you're ranking them, I don't think you can responsibly put him in the top five. It's tough, man. Six one and a half southpaw, seventy three. Talented guy, he really good. I mean, remember, I mean that I op- that fight against um against Willie Nelson a couple of years ago now yeah. was eye-opening. Because well, Nelson is, is a tough character. He'd fought well against pretty much everyone. That didn't, you know, kind of Vanis level where he would never get over the hump, but he was, but he, but, but he was always in there against top level opponents. And then Andre blew him out. I mean, the argument against Andre is his biggest fights. He took a split decision from Vanis. He took a split decision from Jack Colke. So, you know, yeah, he was great when he took out Brian the Lion Rose, but we do need to see more. It's too early to tell, but fun little exercise to play. I, I do find myself underrating Canelo when that's a chess match. He, Canelo is seasoned enough to this point where it's going to be a chess match against anybody, and he does have good pop. So I think the whole point of the segment is middleweight's wild right now, and I love it. And remember like two years ago when Triple G was pretty much out of opponents other than Aging Sergio or Will Canelo or Will Cotto ever take the, the plunge and jump in? We're in a much better spot right now, and that that that's fantastic. That's true. Let me lob a little turd into that punch bowl, though, uh, Brian, and just say, as as good as any of these matchups would be, do you, I kind of get this sinking feeling that hardly any of them will happen, and they will just they're they're almost all moving on parallel tracks that aren't coming together besides triple g canelo which we'll probably see soon uh and i guess i guess after that fight happens we'll have a better idea of how the rest of these fights will shake well, out because Saunders is a wild card dude no one knows if he's actually going to take them you know what i mean take the plunge against any of these top yeah. guys i don't even know how charlo jacobs is going to work with the with the uh, promotional promotional side i mean we've seen fights that we didn't think we were going to get con canelo is one of them we've seen a few of these i don't know we'll have to let it play out hey rafe did you see in the brooklyn undercard of jacob sulinski this weekend when jarell big baby miller took a 12 round decision from french fisherman johan duapa your your boy there the reptile whose whose tat game is getting getting a little bad right now does anyone uh, did this is for you brian and anyone listening every time i see and hear duapa's name i think of that terrible old like scary metal song with the guys going do do us do help us are you looking are you listening to romstein again that's the guys yeah the really scary dudes oh wow wow let's leave that where it was uh so rafe the only point of caring about this fight is that miller says he learned from his lesson of trying to get skinny last time and he didn't feel as good in the ring so he got fatter this time came in at over three bills supposedly 
looked good, but the only reason we're talking about him, besides the fact that he's unbeaten, we've had him on this podcast, he's a good talker, is that maybe if Eddie Hearn stiff-arms Deontay Wilder, we'll see Joshua against Miller. From what you saw here in this fight, you give Miller any chance to make things difficult for Joshua if we do see that at the Barclays this summer. Um, The only chance I would give him there is if it turns out that Miller has this otherworldly toughness and can somehow walk through Anthony Joshua's punches. It's hard to imagine. I wouldn't bet on it. If that happens to be the case, though, then he's a real headache for anyone because he'll, he's going, you, you see how he fights. He's basically just going to walk forward and throw a lot of punches, you know, put, put a lot into some of them, put nothing on others, some slapping, some, he's just all, he's just, but, but the activity, activity level and the pressure for a guy as big as him is, is impressive. He does seem like he's not that hard to hit coming in, doesn't even seem to care sometimes with some of the shots that, that, uh, Dualpus was throwing. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, I, that, I don't, I don't think it. that's a good recipe for fighting Anthony Joshua. Yeah. I don't think, I don't give him much or any of a chance at all, but if he happens to be some kind of, uh, Android or you know half robot, then then maybe if he has Duhapis's toughness, yeah, remember, remember that, the bombs that, that beard might help. Okay, so so he's certainly not a, a top operator. So Frank Warren wouldn't be shouting him out. You're a, you're, you're a quality operator, quality bloke, and a quality fighter. But he's can talk. Uh, look, here's the interesting part about he's been fighting on Eddie Hearn cards for a while now, even though he doesn't have a promotional deal with Eddie. And it almost felt like a Miller heel turn after the fight. Here's his quotes. Anthony G-String Joshua should come and get this work all day. I'm ready to toast that English muffin. We cook French fries tonight, so it's English muffins next time. It's like I said before, Eddie Hearn has made promises and comments to other fights, but let the, let's get this straight. I'm not signed with match bo- Matchroom Boxing or Eddie Hearn. I'm my own boss. I'm not going to get on my knees and beg. He's not going to sell me the dream like he did Luis Ortiz and Dillian White and all the other guys. You smell any unhappiness there or do we, we don't care. We don't really care, right? I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with these guys. Maybe, may, I mean, it sounds like he's Miller saw sort of the way that some of these guys, you know, like, like Luis Ortiz briefly signed with Matchroom thing that it would lead, it could lead to a Joshua fight and they didn't get it. Uh, but it's weird for, it is a little strange for Miller to be saying that because, but if you're reading the public comments and, and the way that Eddie Hearn is talking, Eddie Hearn seems to be wanting to give Jarrell Miller, the Anthony Joshua fight next. Like that, that I think is his op, that's the, his number, that's what he would like best to happen. So why try to talk your way out of that? Who the heck knows? I don't know. Who, a guy after he fought 12 rounds is liable to say just about anything. Yeah, that, that's fair. He said he, he's with Big Baby Promotions. He's actually not. He's co-promoted by Dimitri Salida and Greg Cohen, but who really cares anyway, Rafe? Um, and uh, from the status of who really cares, I also have to tell you that Jose Cito Lopez scored a 10-round unanimous decision over unbeaten Miguel Cruz in a PBC on Fox main event from El Paso. Rafe, I didn't even know this fight was happening until I flipped through and saw it on Twitter. This is a not a FS1 card. How, how the mighty have fallen. This is a PBC on Fox card. Like, remember when they first took a step down and it was like Robert Guerrero against like Aaron Martinez and we're like, oh, man, really, Fox? This is... Jose Cito Lopez against Miguel Cruz on an already crowded boxing night with an ESPN card, an HBO card. What the hell is going on here? 
I don't know. I I don't know how many. I don't, it, it must be the some lingering amount of dates that they that that they owe Fox. I don't even. But but if each one was a time buy to begin with, why not just stop buying the time? I didn't, I, this is all stuff that we can't know. We're not on the inside. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Josecito looked good. He beat a, I, I, I didn't know his opponent. I hadn't seen the guy coming up in the ranks. Some, I was, I, and, and was told online that the guy was supposed to be pretty good. And then Josecito came out and didn't bust his jaw, so to speak. So, uh, but who are they so, setting Josecito up to lose to? And I hate saying Keith that. Thurman. <laughs> Yeah, I easy. Guess you're right. Keith Thurman. I guess you're right. uh, Get ready to groan, everyone. It's happening. Speaking of things to groan about and unnecessary matchups, did you hear the news that Dan Rayfield broke that the June 16th card in Dallas, a PBC card, is likely going to have a welterweight doubleheader? Devin Alexander, Andre Berto, and the Colmain, uh, hashtag, uh, the, uh, what's, what's his deal there? The, uh, which hashtag? Birdos, the damn, uh, the harvest is coming. The har- yeah, it's still coming. Sorry. The harvest is still coming. And in the main event, Errol Spence Jr. defending his welterweight belt against mandatory Carlos Ocampo, who's 22 and 0, with the idea that the winners face off. Come on, Rafe. Like, we really have to slow, we didn't have to slow build to DSG Lamont Peterson, but we still did back in the day. We're going to slow build to Spence Devin Alexander. Are you kidding me? I don't not yeah, it does not make a whole lot of sense. Like I get uh, it's a mandatory, but like come on. Berto's last fight was was losing to Sean Porter, is that right? Yeah. So I don't understand why he should be one fight away from Well he's a, Al Heyman's like OG, right? Besides that's true, yeah. Forrest. I mean that's why I, I this is not doing fight. him a huge favor though, to to be like if you if you win this, you get to fight Errol Spence. Like, well the weird part is he might be able to win this. Like it's not like Devin Alexander yeah. looked like a world beater, right? I mean like no, he, he, didn't he fight to all base uh, that was ended up being a draw with 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 Victor Ortiz, right? It was no who who? Oh yeah, it was a draw. Devin. Yeah, yeah. Were they both? I mean, he Devin won, but it was a draw. All right, here's the problem. Spence is twenty eight. We all want to make him our pound for pound number one. We can't until he gets you know more victories like he did against Kell Brook. I had no problem with the Lamont Peterson fight, but look back at Spence's run. It's like. Lo Greco, Van Heerden, Alejandro Barrera, Chris Algeri, Leonard Boondu, and then finally we get Brooke and Peterson, but with a year off in between just about, and now we're going Carlos Ocampo and maybe Devin Alexander. Like, Rafe, that sucks. I know dreams aren't going to come true. We're not going to see him against Terrence Crawford like later this year. I know that. Yeah. But like the PBC welterweight division is pretty damn loaded. No, yeah, it makes it's it's a strange it's a strange situation where the 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 promoter controlling most of the good fights that you would see for Spence make is is actually working against us seeing them because they don't want they kind of I think they just assume that Spence is going to be too much for almost anyone he fights maybe in the entire division I would say comfortably in the among the PBC fighters at 147 pounds even though a lot of them are very good Spence is just I I I think better and yeah. they don't want to book their guys losses but then instead you get these this endless stay busy streak of nothing it's it's i i hope i hope something shakes it loose oh yeah seriously i hope that turd drops finally and here's the here's the problem like if you're told okay mandatories are what they are right and this guy's unbeaten so if you're told he's got to fight the mandatory to beat the belt but his next fight will be against either keith thurman sean porter or danny garcia You'd be like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm ready for this. But no, it's going to be against Devin Alexander or Andre Berto. So stop the madness. I don't want to see that. But did you see, speaking of PBC welterweight news, that they stripped Keith Berman, Keith Berman, Keith Thurman, Keith, Berman. Of, Keith Thurman of one of the belts and that it does set up a Sean Porter DSG match for a number one contender spot. I'm down with that completely. 
Yeah, that was a fight that I wish they could have made without the belt. But hey, if that's what it took and they were able to get it off Keith Thurman, then then let's keep that moving. I think that's a, that's one of the matchups we haven't seen among these guys uh, as they've gotten you know, over the years, kind of gotten to the point where they've fought most of each other at least once. Uh, so cool. And and Porter has been game, always shows up. He's kind of gets the short end of the stick and, and not, not in the decisions. I think that the fights that he's lost, he's been beaten in. But just in terms of he, he, he isn't protected necessarily like some of the others. And maybe that's because he's more willing to just get in there and fight it out. And so I'm glad he's getting more opportunities. And I think that he has a, you know, of, of, of the various top fighters in the PBC camp at 147 pounds, Danny Garcia is one of the guys who I think Sean Porter matches up better with. And it's going to be, it's gonna be kind a of a, close to a 50 50 fight. Yeah. yeah. You can see, I can see DSG putting him down and making him, making him not do that right. MMA style. It'd be fun. And we know, I'd love to see that ultimate sack, uh, sponsorship come back too, you know? Cause they had a full package. There was a, definitely a full package. Rafe, we got to go lightning round on a couple other things as we're running late on time here. I wanted to hit up quick on that Barclays card I mentioned two weeks ago. Hey, Adrian Broner, Jesse Vargas, I was ringside for that split draw or the majority draw. That was a heck of a fight, Rafe. That was a heck of a fight. That was a fun ass brawl. So the key question here is, what does this do for Broner's stock moving forward? It certainly doesn't take him off of being a main eventer, but did it make you believe that he, that he can or should like dare to dream and go up and try to get a, a legitimate guy or just stay in that bubble of trying to get Amir Khan and trying to get those type of guys? I think he should stay in the bubble. Yeah, he should just be just, an attraction, right? Yeah, just not don't do anything too much. Uh, don't don't do, take any 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 risks and uh, and just keep fighting. Kind of guys. Uh, look, he he that was a deserved draw. I mean, that was pretty much a fight that could have gone either way. And he was clearly the better. He was, and, but but yet you could watch Adrian Broner and be like, oh, he should win this fight if he tried. And we've seen that a million times. That's who he is. Um, maybe he can't even change that. Maybe there's nothing that. Maybe he just doesn't have the stamina to fight at a at a at a rate at a pace that would allow him to hurt opponents at this weight and and actually win fights against yeah. good good fighters. But whatever whatever the cause, he's not doing it. I don't think he's ever going to do it. Uh, so. Because like, like I Tim Bradley be a, said, no brains, right? That's what Tim Bradley said. You know? Yeah, and, and I think that uh, if he could get Khan, that would be a great fight for him because that's one where he oh, really, I mean, he he could be trusted to his money in it. One that's thing Broner will Super do, will he will land some nice counters on you yes. clean because he is accurate and quick and and good at that. And it doesn't take too many of those to to get Amir Khan into some trouble. So that's that's what that's a good thing for him to look for. And that's a sloppy one. I, that's like a sloppy Super Bowl. That's like a sloppy pay per view. I want to see Broner Khan. Are you kidding me? But yeah, I didn't get the feeling that he should go higher. I did like the look with the new trainer Kevin Cunningham. I felt like there was some respect there. I felt like he was getting pushed to go and keep empty. Look what Broner showed you, man. We know he's tough, and he's that's why he's not a complete laughing stock because he doesn't just get knocked out. He's got a chin. But he had a gut. Did you see how many body shots he took from Vargas? Vargas has the body snatcher, Mike McCallum, as his trainer now. Did you see the dedicated body attack Vargas did? And then it was Broner who was the fresher fighter late. So we got to give A.B. credit. Like, he's got an iron will underneath all that ridiculousness, right? They got everybody that's wrong with boxing together in one room. Did everything that's wrong with boxing in that room. And gave birth to Adrian Broner. But this baby, going on right now. Yeah, but this he's baby gotta, is all grown up and he's doing some things in there. Yeah, go after Khan. That's all I got to say. Final note on that card, Gervonta Take Davis blew away Jesus Cuellar. Ha- what a beauty. Hashtag body, like Oscar once said, with, with body, sh- three knockdowns all caused by body shots. 
the really only question here is, look, he he's legit. We know he's he's great, right? For for this weight class, for a young twenty three year old fighter, he's very street. But is he going to really get into that Vasily conversation where not that he's going to be as good, but that he's going to chase that fight? I know Floyd keeps running his mouth. Did you get the feeling that like a performance like this says they're going to want this? Let's do this. Let's set up a Super Bowl for these low weight classes. I don't think he's big enough yet. I mean, you, they, you saw, they, they asked Lomachenko about it last week and Lomachenko just laughed and said he's never been in a main event. Why are we going to have a pay-per-view with that guy? Uh, plus, plus he's at a lower weight now. Uh, Lomachenko seems like if the May 12th fight against Jorge Linares goes well, then he's going to stay there if he wins that belt off Linares. So, uh, and, and Davis obviously is not, has had some problems making 130 over the years. So that it's it not crazy. He probably will end up at lightweight eventually. Uh, but he just doesn't have the, not that, not that Lomachenko had this, he's, he's 11, 12 and 0, 12 and 1 or whatever, 11 and 1. So he's not, Resume is not really the calling card of, of, of Lomachenko, <laughs> although he's beaten a lot of good fighters in, in so few fights. Um, but Davis has done nothing to earn that other than look good and, and when he doesn't look good. So I, you know, he's, I don't even think he's, I wouldn't rank him in the top five of, of realistic Lomachenko fights I that I would want to see. It. I just don't think he's yeah. he, we have any reason to believe he's on that level yet. I'd like to actually see him fight against the smaller featherweight to move up. I'd like, you know, Frampton beat Donaire and looked great in doing it. I'd like to see him eventually against Frampton, against Gary Russell Jr., have those guys come up to 130 on the PBC side and make some Get really Leo, get there. man, I I this is one of the biggest things. It's just a, almost a crime against boxing. Not that's a little bit overboard, but Leo Santa Cruz, man, that guy is a fun fighter, very good. Not just a, a not just a come forward uh, volume. I mean, obviously he does that very well, but he does it with a lot of craft. Great, tall, some power, fun, all these things. And he's getting, he's just got sidetracked in these. I, they make money, so good for them. But sidetracked in these Abner Mares fights that we don't need to see, yeah. and buildups to Abner Mares fights that we don't need to see, and and Chris he Avalon, should be in that yeah. conversation. He should be in the conversation, moving up to 130 and getting some of that action, um, or fighting more of these guys at 126. It's it's that I I of all of the many disappointing uh, stories of of what man, how come that guy is is not in these kind of big fights we want to see. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz is near the top of my list, and and that's easy to turn around. Just start making the fights. So uh, you've been sending me a couple of Loma, Vasily Lomachenko, in in English interviews he's starting to do now. And just peep his voice for a second. If uh, if this fight, 135, if it will be this fight, 135, weight category, uh, I'm ready. 135, I'm ready. Now you know Freddie Rhodes said. His voice is, and that's an interview with Radio Rahim, so shout out to there from Seconds Out. But did you hear, his voice is a mixture of like Gennady and like, uh, like almost like Isaac Dogbay and almost like Amir Khan. It's like, just hear it one more time. If, uh, if this fight, 135, it's like, it's almost like Chris Eubank Sr., Amir Khan, Gennady, and Isaac Dogbay's <laughs> voice all melded together. It's fantastic. He really is the, he's the best at everything. He's the, I'm ready. I'm ready. 135 weight class, weight, weight position, <laughs> weight, weight. I, I'm, I'm here. No, Max, I have three belts. Come on. Okay. Yeah, let's get off of that. Let's speed through here. We're going to get to the big one on the weekend preview, Gennady and Vonis. But Friday night, Golden Boy has an ESPN2 card from Carson, California. 
and Ryan King Rye Garcia in the main event. 10 round junior lightweight bout against Jason Velez. This is like appointment viewing at this point. We know this guy, Rye Guy, King Rye, is becoming like the next matinee idol in our sport here. But like this is a quick comeback. They fought like what, three weeks ago? And Jason Velez is probably a little washed, but this is a real fight. We think, um, kind of like we said with Jesus Cuellar f- facing Gervonta Davis, uh, two weeks ago, there's something about this smells like they, like Golden Boy knows that Jason Velez is, is not going to come in with anything close to enough to win this fight. Um, he was on a, like a, a bad looking three fight losing streak before he got to fight Juan Ma Lopez and win <laughs> the wash bowl. Four fight um, losing streak. Four fight losing streak. And they were not all to like contenders. There was like some to, to guys who really are more like journeymen. He lost uh, to a guy who was six and oh, Alfredo Santiago. Yeah, so he, he had some ugly losses there. Um, I, I think so. So while it lo- it'll, it'll look good on paper and it's a good way to get people to sort of pay attention to Ryan Garcia and signal to the boxing public that this is a prospect that Golden Boy believes in and they want they want to start making those big moves. Uh, I also think it'll be a safe fight for him and he expect him to probably win by some kind of good looking knockout because he does that pretty well and uh and i think velez is is there for the taking king rye can punch and he's quick he's only 19 and i know we make fun of a lot of his boldness on social media with like the singing videos and the high school girls trying to trying to pull a uh, jimmy fox triple g and get up in that imagine uh, that boys dms what must those look like that's a messy proposition hey you know what's on that co-main Middleweight Gary Spike O'Sullivan against Berlin Abreu in a 10-round middleweight bout. Now, just to be clear here, Abreu is moving up two weight classes. He has just one loss to Sammy Vasquez, but he's the Salka. Fought, he's fought at welterweight his entire career. So this is a Salka setup. But the only reason why I mentioned this was that Spike was in the running to get Triple G this weekend. He pushed for it, pushed for it, then got the offer, which reportedly was $400,000 to fight Triple G on short notice, and then pulled out of it. And he's getting roasted by a lot of people, including ESPN's Dan Rayfield, who came at him on social media for like a few days stretch. All these fighters were getting Spike's back. Spike really put out some inappropriate memes, <laughs> high heat at Rafael. And then, you know, Gabe Rosado came out and got his back and it turned into like a you haven't fought, so don't talk thing. And I think Dan took it the wrong way. Here's what I want to say about this. The whole idea that we're not fighters, we can't break down a fight. I think that's BS. Like, we can tell you which guy could win and how you know how they should and all that. Is a guy like Teddy Atlas going to break it down better for us because he's been in the fight game? Of course. But the one thing that I don't think we know anything about is making these type of business decisions when the danger of a real fight is at stake. So I'm actually going to call out people like Dan Rayfield who's hammering Spike O'Sullivan and saying, you asked for this fight, you got a career-high payday offer, and you turned it down. I think it's fairly obvious that Spike O'Sullivan gambled thought he was going to get like legit life-changing money, realized there was a ceiling to the money available to him, and then said, you know what? Why am I going to go out and get knocked out by Triple G? Why don't I just take another easy fight against a welterweight here, be, fight on TV, and move the chains? We are as not, we're not fighters. We are not qualified to judge that decision when we're not standing across the ring from Triple G and the prospect of the danger involved. He tried a business decision. He failed. I don't think it gives us the right to roast him. Like, that was a little ridiculous. 
Well, and there were a lot of things going on. A lot of fighters all of a sudden threw their names in that hat when, when the date on May 5th came open to fight Triple G. And probably not all of them were serious because they knew that not all of them, it was impossible for all of them to get that, but it was a good way to get your name out there. Uh, this was the biggest story in boxing. We've talked about this week after week after week because of all the PED stuff and the hearings and then the drama over whether who Triple G would fight, how bad the, the, the opponent would be, the Derevinchenko uh, mandatory enforcement stuff. It was the story that just kept going, and it not a bad idea for any of these fighters who threw their name in there to get some of that publicity. Not, it raised the profiles of Spike O'Sullivan, of Derevinchenko, of all these guys who aren't fighting on May 5th, uh, and they don't have to now get knocked out by Triple G. Uh, I guess it's a little flip to say that that would happen to Derevinchenko, but I still think that he would get knocked out by Triple G. Um, so... And and there's that side of it. There's also this business side of it where we don't know if Golden Boy, who has a relationship with Spike O'Sullivan, are they his direct promoter? Are they his lead promoter? Uh, I think he's promoted by the guy from the Dropkick Murphys, I think, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but he's been fighting on Golden Boy cards. Yes. Uh, he has a relationship with them. There was some reporting that Golden Boy didn't want triple g to fight at all in may that they didn't against anyone uh, so if they it's possible they they exercised some some leverage on on sullivan or in one way or another just asked him say hey we'll take care of you down the line don't do this yeah. uh there's a lot of explanations things that we can't know the inner workings of including the mindset of fighters when when they have to make these decisions about their lives and their livelihoods going forward i just thought it was pretty so, obvious like the guy thought he could maybe get a million out of this and tried to gamble i'm just speaking for him i don't really know for sure obviously that 400k wasn't enough even if it was a career high to risk this he's won five in a row he's coming off of a good win he probably thinks in the alphabet rankings there's probably another opportunity coming around the corner he is promoted by uh the guy from murphy's boxing there but uh they they work close with golden boy with with pbc so yeah i mean seriously something happened behind the scenes i just think we get we can't be quick to like hammer guys out at this point. also because there was you could have leveled similar arguments at at almost any of the fighters who were part of that part of that discussion and it seems like you don't want to be taking selective shots because they seem easier or because you favor one promotional outfit over another or they, like uh, the, that kind of criticism you could throw at a new boxer almost every week so why single out Gary Spike O'Sullivan on this week so it kind of pulled me back in on Spike O'Sullivan I thought he was kind of like a joke fighter but now I'm like you know what you, you made a decision for yourself. Go out there. Go out there, fight a welterweight, whatever you have to do. I mean, he's going to end up as a B-side against an elite middleweight eventually. He's probably going to lose. That's just the that's just the situation of where he is. He's got a cool mustache, but that's the situation. But the real fight card is Saturday at Carson, California, in your backyard. Rafe, are you going to be there? Yes or no? I will not be there, but you know who will be there? Who? Mr. ADK himself, our one of our very valued listeners, always hitting us up on Twitter, Alex Godinez. Uh, he is. Oh, nice pronunciation he, there. That was almost... he won. I don't actually know if the if he pronounces the Enye on his last name, uh, so I hope I'm not taking that liberty. Um, but in any case, uh, a, a close uh, a guy who always interacts with us on Twitter listens and uh, and won a very cool promotion, two tickets from yes. Tom Loeffler for a pro Triple G tweet. Uh, that's a kind of a dangerous uh precedent for for Loeffler to set because now everyone's just going to be like adding him making up weird positive <laughs> things about triple g so that he will single them out and be like hey two free tickets for you you get a new car but sure. hey alex congratulations he said it's going to be his first live fight gets to go oh, see triple g awesome. 
which is huge in a great venue, StubHub Center. That, that really a feel good story. So shout out to Tom Loeffler for that, and shout out to our our listener Alex. Yeah, at, at the Godin, at the Alex Godin. I gotta look that back up. Shout out to Alex Godinez. Um, so yeah, the the StubHub Center, the house of great fights, is going to have a fight that at the very least should be action when Gennady Golovkin defends two of his three middleweight titles. The BA and the BC will be on the line. Of course, IBF did not deem Vanis Martirosian as an acceptable opponent. They're allowing Triple G to step aside here, not lose the belt as long as he faces Derevchenko at some point in the next few months. That's a headache to deal with, but we'll get to that. The whole point, two of the three belts, and it will tie, if he wins, Bernard Hopkins for the middleweight record of 20 defenses. I've said on this show two weeks ago, for last minute, considering the situation, I don't hate Vanas in this spot. I know he's moving up in weight. I know he hasn't fought in two years because of the Don King promotional situation and whatever other headaches he's got. But he comes to fight. He's got a pretty strong amateur base. He's a pretty slick boxer. I mean, he's not, a, he's not a purely slick boxer, but for a guy that we consider basically a brawler, he's a former top amateur. I mean, well, he's, he's got, got craft. Some, he's, he's got, got some he craft fights with some there. craft. And that's, that's what's kept him in all these close fights. He's had, I mean, you look at some, a guy who has fought su- at such a high level and fought well enough to be in all those fights, but never done enough to get over the hump. That, that speaks to his ability and his, and his pedigree. Unfortunately, he never gets over the hump and it's crazy to think that it's going to happen now again, going up in weight against probably someone better than anyone who's, he's ever yeah, fought. Let's be honest here. We're not, uh, handicapping this fight on the, on the guys that what can Vonis do to win? Well, we're not. What we're trying to I'm say <laughs> is what can he do to not be a Dominic Wade? What can he do to actually make this a fun fight? Make Triple G have to work to stop him or in at the, at the, like, you know what the ultimate victory here is if Vonis found a way to go the distance and lose. That's really the ultimate victory, right? Because yeah. nobody does that in this modern time except for Canelo and, Tr- and Jacobs, who are the elite middleweights. So that would be a big victory for him to get there. I don't know how he would unless Golovkin is washed and unmotivated. But I think at the very least, we're going to see fire. We're going to see some some pockets of action. And it's going to come down to how good is Vonis's chin mixed with how badly does he want to be there. Yeah. I, I don't, the thing is, I don't see Von is moving enough. Uh, he's not, you know, as, although he is a the, the, like responsible defensive fighter, he, he doesn't, he doesn't really move a ton. And he's one of these guys who's like a B plus and everything kind of reminds me of Matthew Macklin. Yes. Uh, and, uh, it, it, he may not be good at any one thing that's going to keep him alive in this fight long for very long. Yeah, it just doesn't look good for him. And that's the prospect of any of these guys facing Triple G on short notice. Triple G wants to keep the date. And by the way, strategically here, was pretty smart of them to keep the date only for the Bernard Hopkins record. Because what if they didn't fight Rafe? Then they go into September against Canelo. And then let's say Triple G loses a, a, a shoddy or a close or a deserved decision. You fall one defense short of Bernard Hopkins' record. So why not just put it in the books, right? I mean, it only matters to a certain level of people, but you work this hard to get here by staying active. Might as well put that 20th one in there. I guess I'm not, I don't want to get too deep into the record just because it can't feel good to be tying this record with this particular win. I mean, this is, this, this, this win is sort of almost an asterisk win if, if, if you're actually going to put the, I mean, and, and of course Bernard had mandatories and fights that were, you know, oh, where yeah. Larry Merchant tried to send him to hell and, and then Bernard sent him deeper, deeper, deeper than ever back into hell, um, when they, when they argued over it after the fight. So these things happen. Neither guy has like a beautiful 20, you know, 20 win streak of, of legit lineal, whatever defenses, uh, and, and Canelo, I, I mean, and Golovkin has never even 
still hasn't touched the lineal. He's not touching L's. He's not touching. Um, no, he's not. He's um, not touching that. But um, but so I'm not that 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 side of it doesn't really get me going. But I do think you're right. It was smart to do it now because you saw you could sort of see that they they were in a a sprint to get this fight made before Canelo's uh hearing like a week and a half ago on that Wednesday. They needed to make it before then because if they didn't have everything lined up before then, then all the pressure flips to, wait a minute, wait a minute. He only got six months. Don't risk anything. Keep this fight alive. Just pull out. Don't, don't let May 5th happen. And Golovkin, it seems was, was dead set on fighting. He was like, I'm going to fight. I do not, I will go out into like the streets of Big Bear and just <laughs> like Jean-Claude Van Damme a whole, uh, an entire bar if I need to. Like this is going to happen. So, um, they 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 did the best they could in a really really rough spot. It's not it's still going to hurt his reputation a little bit because boxing fans are so mean uh, and that's fair. It just it's, it's it, he can he can win it all back if he fights uh if he fights Canelo and and gets the win in September. Yeah yeah I'm with you on that. It, it's at least I'd like to see him at least look. We've been along for this Gennady journey. If he, he's come this far, I'd like to see him get the twenty at the very least and just put himself because he's committed to that. He never went up to sixty-eight to chase a name. He didn't feel like there was one worthy at the time. You still could argue, say, he should have fought Ward or should have pr- pursued it more, or whatever. That's you know, but get the twenty, get it in the bank. Um, Chocolatito was supposed to be on this undercard in the co-main, but political unrest in Nicaragua is preventing him from getting a visa in time, so he won't be fighting. By the way, he's only thirty. Like I know we like wrote his death certificate after two losses there to uh Sarisa Ketsor Rungvisai, but like Chocolatino's only 30. Maybe maybe take a year off, dude. You know, check your head and, and see if you can come back and put together some wins, right? That would be awesome. It'd be great to see, you know, I mean, one would be a great story, the comeback after really looking, I mean, he looked, the reason people are so down on him is because he looked done in those fights. I mean, especially that, that second one where he just, you know, like got, got hit by a Mack truck. I mean, it was, it looked like, you know, the end of blank, uh, with him in the ring that night. So I understand why people feel that way, but yeah, his age, he's not that old. Um, the, the little guys do seem to age faster, but he definitely is, he deserves at least a chance to uh, to reestablish himself on that level. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. No, 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 no. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. That's, that's too harsh. It's too harsh, Brian. It's too harsh. It's too harsh. It's too harsh. Uh, the co-main event, I only want to mention this because HBO's pushing a women's fight here. Uh, pound for pound number one, the one that they consider to be the Floyd Mayweather of women's boxing, Cecilia Brakis is going to defend all four of her welterweight titles against Callie Reese. But, Rafe, I only bring this up for this reason. Have you heard what, uh, what, uh, is going on on the women's side of things? We, we know that Clarissa Shields is really the only name that, that any of us really know or care about. She has two belts at 100, at super middleweight on the women's side. She's five and oh. She's moving down to middleweight for her next fight on Showtime and she's going to challenge somebody who has a pair of the middleweight titles. And her ultimate goal to be crowned pound for pound number one, this is Clarissa Shields I'm talking about, is to then cut down to welterweight and chase Cecilia Brakis, who's been considered the, the top women's fighter the last few years. I think that's a storyline that actually would get people to care. And the thing about Shields is she's won two gold medals for our country. She can talk a little bit. She's Her fights are brawls because, I'm, let's be really honest, she's not like Mayweather. Like, she goes out there and fights and she gets hit. If she ends up moving down to welterweight and tries to do this in like a year, I think that's an interesting story. I know you want to see her against Christina Hammer. I know you've been waiting for that fight for a while. 
I come, I, I come there. I've got, with... it, I've got it on my wall. I mean, it's like on my vision board, bro. It's, it's there. No, I, I still think that, uh, that as young as she is and as strong as she is and as good an athlete as she is, she should, uh, go learn how to do some MMA and see if she can make wow, some money over wow. there. Wow. That's a harsh statement. And the only other night fight on this HBO card is Ryan Blue Chip Martin is going to move up to 140 and face. What are we talking about here, Brian? Uh, face our good friend, <laughs> Bradis Prescott. And I stay about okay, this because. Okay. That's true. I am a breast, I'm a, I'm a Prescott. Well, head. remember, you know, Ryan Martin is like that unbeaten guy, but then he was on the Triple G undercard. In Didn't September. look so good on that undercard. He got a gift decision against Francisco Rojo. Well, he bounced back with a knockout against a nobody after that. But uh, that's a guy they thought was going to be next. Hey, Bredis Prescott, he's seen better days, but uh, that's still a a mark in the sand. You got to get by a guy that tough, right? I know he's thirty one and twelve, and he's got a lot of L's. He's been catching L's for a while, but look, I want to see that fight. That that's a that's a guy you got to get past to show us that you're back in line. You're for real. Yes, yeah, and. Uh, I hope he does well. I mean, actually, I'm rooting for Prescott, man. One last crazy Amir Khan win. That would be cool for a guy who is, who is fought, you know, he's, he's had one of these, he's basically on journeyman status now. He's fighting, you know, or, or low gatekeeper status. Don't check his box rec page. He's got a lot of losses lately. A yeah. Lot, so. Um, but, and, and man, he's had some memorable, he really has had, he's been that guy who, who put over a lot of big fighters, Terrence you know, Crawford? where the, Terrence Crawford had his coming out party against him. Mike Alvarado had that come from behind win over Brady. Levan Gamichava, the, the, the wolf, the, the yeah. James Bag Jr.'s guy stopped him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, there, he's, he's taken some hard L's lately. Mike Alvarado stopped him. Remember that what, war in 2011? That was like a fight That's of the, the year. That's what I was talking about. The yeah. comeback. Yeah. Yes. Was like Alvarado was getting beat through 10 and then just stormed back out. Of, oh man. He could have, Prescott could have spared us a lot of Alvarado. All right. The final fight we care about this Saturday is a really good heavyweight rematch in terms of slop and action. It's going to be on AWE. What's that? The old wealth channel. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's still there from London. Tony Bellew, David Hay. They fought the first time last year, which turned out to be a sleeper fight of the year contender where Bellew dropped Hay three times, stopped him in the 11th round. Didn't Hay like, uh, tear his like ACL or something? In he, the... he ruptured his Achilles in the, I in believe the, sixth the round. fifth round. Yeah. Fifth or sixth he round. got dropped and he got back up and then he just like, it turned into a, the second that he got back up in the sixth round, it turned into like a war. It was already an action fight and it turned into like a sloppy war for five more rounds. Oh, it, it turned into one of those crazy, like, I can't believe this man is even standing, uh, fights. And, and really it was one of those bizarre losses where the guy's fighting with one arm or one leg and you're just like, how is this even happening? Uh, and. I hope that both guys hold up through this fight and we get a clean result. Shades of Berto Soto Carras, but you sent me some yeah. sound from the Gloves Are Off with Johnny Nelson, their own version of Max Kellerman's sit-down. Let's hear some. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. Humble. He's about as humble as Madonna. There's a one-liner there from Tony Ballou, and then he ended up sending David Hay to hell to close the segment. It was kind of, like, intense. And he was shocked. Pleasantly surprised. It was hilarious. Making you miss by the miles you missed by was absolutely hilarious. Considering all the things you said in the build-up, it was, it was, I wouldn't say perfect because I would have rather have just got you done with good and proper. But, you know, it wasn't far off. It wasn't far off at all. And when you look at me, I know exactly what's going through your mind. Boy, I'm going to render you unconscious. I'm going to, you know, believe me, you know. Because it doesn't matter what you do, how hard you train, what weights you lift, you're going to lose on May the 5th. Because you are going to get pushed again to a place where you don't want to be, where you haven't been for a long, long time, and it's going to fail you again. You're going to lose again. By the way, David Hay had no comeback at all. 
I don't know if you watched the end of that. Like I, I watched the entire thing. It's I, I I enjoy I the British fighters talking to each other is fun most of the time in general. Bellew especially and that guy is just put, does a number on David Hayes' head throughout this whole thing. Dude, I don't uh, think I, like it's, if you watch that and you and you're near a betting booth, you got to go with Bellew because like Hay had nothing in that. He's wild, and bro. and it was amazing because Hay comes in saying, "Oh, I know Tony, you're going to try and get in my head and do all this stuff," and and then Bellu Bellu just sort of smiles and does exactly that and leaves him like in a pool of doubt. Uh, and now they have to go fight. All right, so we know Triple G is going to get a stoppage here. Do you have any prediction for Bellu Hay? I think it's Bellu getting an earlier stoppage this time, and this is going to well, be I, extra sloppy. I think Bellu decision. Um, because if Hay doesn't get hurt, I don't think Bellew is going to do enough to actually stop him. Um, there was, they, they, it wasn't headed towards the finish it had last year, uh, before the injury. So if the guy holds up through the fight, then, then I don't think he's getting knocked out. But I, I do think that Bellew is just, you know, he, he, he fights more. He's, and he's not particularly active, but he's, he's been, a, he's on a better role. And he's, and you can see he's sort of bursting with confidence. He, he you could see he knows, he has he has Hay's number a little bit, yeah, um, yeah. and even though I liked Hay better last year, I don't. Th- I think that I, I think that Bellew is just he, he's got something. I, I think it's going to be sloppier than last year. I think it's going to be devolve into a war quicker. And I just question Hay's heart right now. So I think it's going to be a Bellew stoppage. I think this might be the very end of David Hay. What a disappointing second half of his career after that initial rise of winning belts in two divisions, getting into the Klitschko fight. It's really outside of glassing Derek Chisora, he's never been the same again. All right, Rafe, we're way over on time. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Follow us on social medias at Rafe Boogs, where you can subscribe to the Respect Box newsletter every Friday. Follow me at B Campbell CBS. Rafe, do you have any messages to your fans out there to maybe buy your two and two book? Anything else on the way out here? That's it, and we out. <laughs>